This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and it's a goal! Gets to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! everyone. Well, Swindon took an expectant crowd and fell short down at Stevenage. The usual host, Mr. Rich Pullum, was enjoying five ones, prawn sandwiches and embarrassing TIFOs, but Pod was still there and representing in attendance. It's Terry. Hi, Terry. Hey, Joe. I wonder whether Rich is going to come back defending murdering oil states or not. What do you reckon? <laughs> what a start. What a start to uh, <laughs> to go through. Maybe I mean uh, we've we've had we've had some pretty impressive tifos at the county ground before, but I don't think we've ever had a full page Sky Sports thing. We've had you know features with Clem and Chris Hull, so maybe we should uh, pull the effort up a bit. Yeah, I think I think if when you go up to Geordie Land and, and and go and watch them, if and the bug the bug bites the bug bites depends how um uh, how how much you're going to align yourself with with the. Uh, defending of war crimes i suppose um but i'm sure i'm sure rich will fall on the right line unlike 51 1500 other people that would. well as i understand it you know rich has been to st james's park and sunderland and borough many times when he was living up that way so he's probably a bit immune to it but i think this might have been the first time for his pal phil and you never know he might have got swept up in it all <laughs> things cross not and that was a, that was a very loaded start i apologize joe you've, you've got a tough gig today in, in in rich's absence i didn't make it easy for you he did make it easy for me by at least attending because that wasn't easy at the start of the week let's we, we usually accused of being 
negative on the pod. So let's rip the Band-Aid off and talk about your experience actually being able to get to see this game. Do you know what? It was... Um... <laughs> Uh, I don't really, I really don't want to be negative, Joe. After that opening, it was, it was. As I walked away from that ground, I, I was chatting to someone walking out, and I think that I think the phrase I used was, "What a difference a year makes, both for them and for us." And unfortunately for them, it was in the very much in the positive direction, and for us, it was just really in a negative direction. More, more with regards to experience of going to that game um you know we, we visited there the first weekend of september last year and we visited there the first weekend of october this year and the, the experiences were very very different and you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in the world but the fact that i couldn't get a train 28 minutes from london to stevenage didn't particularly start my day off to the best or off on the best footing and it just it, it just doesn't quite feel something's off something's off and particularly away from home among the fans with the performances it just doesn't feel quite as it did this time last year but maybe we're asking for too much maybe last year was just a it was just a a perfect blend of of overperformance against expectation which is very very rare to get as a football fan i think isn't it people as fans we always expect more than we get and last last season was the only season i've watched this club where we got significantly more than any of us expected and i think I'll always look back with rose tinted glasses, and it was very easy to make that comparison. Yeah, I think I think in recent weeks I've been very defensive when people have said that uh, you know as results have gone our way or not gone our way, that people have called out and said that fans are fickle, and I would straight up hold my hands up and say that of course I'm fickle because I've watched this team for like twenty plus years, and I don't see how you could not be fickle having going through um, what we've been through. There was big expectations. Uh, from last season and perhaps on Newport I maybe mistook what was rampant excitement for fear and panic to get these uh, these tickets out because I'm not sure it's quite as easy to to purchase away tickets as it might have once been but perhaps that was from our our naughtiness last season well we, we still didn't sell out the, the the reduced allocation we were given we're, we're, um, you know did we so there was and they were actually selling them on the day yesterday despite telling everybody they weren't so a few, a few, um, a few little silly buggers from Steven and Jet again, but I expect nothing less from this club at the moment. Um, yeah, it just it, the, the the vibe in 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 the away end was very different to what it was last year, and, and very different to what it was pretty much all of last season. So a bit more, a bit more expectation, plus a really poor performance, and it just it was just a bit of a bit of a sad afternoon all round, to be frank. Yeah, so midweek on Tuesday, this was the one that I went to. Swindon did beat Newport, but I wouldn't say it was comprehensive or leaving people, you know, full of full of confidence. Perhaps they felt like they should have asserted them. Some people might have said that, although Swindon had more chances, that Newport basically gave away some guilt edge ones. We were lucky to uh, come away with the one nil win. Um, just going through the team lineup then. Unsurprisingly, as we as we won, it was mostly the same. On the Stevenage end, there was no Luke Norris, so no chance for any this country uh, quotes. Apparently, he's broken his nose, which is kind of concerning. Um, Boswick was dropped to the bench, and Jake Reeves, remember him? He was uh, in his place. Uh, Jamie Reed was the um, other replacement on that side, so he caused plenty of trouble. Swindon-wise, only the one change from Newport. So you had um, Bryn, Hutton, Baudry, Clayton, Blake, Tracy, Gladwin, Darcy, Williams, Jeffcott, Wakeling, 
miss somebody out, that would be the uh, central defensive midfielder position. No Louis Reed. It was Saidu Khan. Indeed it was. Indeed it was. And I think we'll, we'll get into um, Saidu Khan a little bit later as this pod progresses. Um, and, and look, spoiler alert, I'm going to be really negative about change over the next over the next 20 minutes or however long we're, we're, we're chatting for and I would just like to point out there is evidence that I was negative about this change at five past two I didn't wait till five past five before revealing my hot take I, the, the, the idea of of going to second in the league and dropping the best holding midfielder in the division a player you outwardly acknowledge as being the best holding player in the division um it, 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 it absolutely beggars belief. It, it really, it, it really was a very, very strange decision. And Saidu Khan is not a holding midfielder. We know this. We know this. Uh, and it, it caused us all sorts of problems all game. And I think what was even more frustrating is that he didn't change it. He didn't change it at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really hope on reflection, Lindsay recognizes that that was that was not the smartest. Um, smartest selection he, he's ever made and I was really interested post-match to hear that it definitely was a tactical choice it, there, there is no there is no lingering injury concerns with Reed. um that, that was completely tactical and so yeah very very peculiar decision um which ultimately really came back to bite us on the bite us on the behind I think I must say, you know, I, I feel a bit like a, a you know a calm defender in many ways. You know, I can see a lot of potential there, and I like what he offers. Yet, even even so, the same sort of time when those lineups came out, I had the same kind of questions, and just was thinking it must be there must have been like a you know a, a pull in the warm up or something like that. Because for what I would say is his strengths, his strengths side for me they're in you know coming on late and doing things a bit differently and mixing it up a bit I wouldn't necessarily think that's somebody that I want to pick over Louis Reed to do 80 minutes plus I, I actually think he's a he's a straight he's a straight decision between him and Darcy is how I'd see it um to, to, to me Khan looks most impressive when he's on the half turn when he's driving forward um, and when he's receiving when, when he's receiving balls in tight areas off of the back two and off of Louis Reed, playing playing him deep, not only meant that we didn't have Louis Reed in there, it also meant we didn't get the best of calm because, particularly first half, and, and look, I know that I'm 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 at odds here with the general perception of yesterday, but first half he was awful, just not in the game at all, body position all wrong half the time, really out of position, and, and we just didn't have you know the the, the thing we. The, way we control games is when the two and a half have the ball, they they split. Louis Reed drops in to make a third and we build from there. It allows the two fullbacks to get really high up the pitch and we play through Louis Reed. And, and Saido Khan just did offer us that, which meant the, the dominating possession went into the back four, passing it along the back four repeatedly until they lost the ball. And quite often we just lost the ball to a throw-in three or four times which is possible by giving it to their strikers and, and as we saw with the with the second goal. So it's not just it's not just um the really obvious things. It's, it's the little things that that Reed offers us that Khan that Khan just didn't yesterday. And, and that really impacted the whole the whole flow of the game unfortunately. Yeah, as the game sort of kicked off and you you've seen the full thing. I've maybe just caught up on the extended highlights, match reports, post match, that kind of thing. 
confidence of Stevenage is obviously quite high. They're you know unexpectedly flying on the top of the table as we as we're recording this right now, and they pretty much came out of the traps straight away, didn't they? They really did, and and, and I think um, what was very very clear is that they were really up for it. They're really fit chased everything and they had a game plan and i think that uh, uh, what they did what they do they, they 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 do very well um they really really got after us and look would i would i want to watch that football every week no but you can't it, it's league two football we're in the fourth tier and we have to start finding coping mechanisms we have to start finding ways of competing physically with these sides because physically they were miles ahead of us yesterday, absolutely miles. And you know, there's a there's a football quote this old that's as old as time, right? That you have to earn the right to play football. You have to earn the right to play the game the way you want to play it. And we didn't do that yesterday. We did not do that yesterday. Before you worry about controlling possession, you've got to compete physically. You've got to win your. You've got to start winning individual battles. And I would say to a man, 11 v 11, every single player lost their individual physical battle, particularly that first half. It, it really was stark how far off it we were physically compared to them. It felt a bit like we we're picking off scraps and creating chances because about 10 minutes in, I'll sort of walk through this a bit because it felt, it felt kind of indicative of how the game went. You had this um, sort of nice build-up from Hutton who kind of uh, was coming down you know, his side on the right and cut in to find Wakeling, who lays it off to Darcy outside the area. It's this bobbly, messy strike that goes wide. But that seemed to be the tone set for the afternoon. There was there was many passages that seemed to go like that, yeah. speculative. Uh, yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, I, I remember that move at the time because it was the best move of the game up to that point. Um and, and and just at that point, we started to feel like after a really dodgy opening five, it started to feel like we were trying, we were starting to get an element of control. But even when we, I think the concerning theme with this team now is even when we are dominating the ball and we are asserting a level of control, we don't create a lot, do we? Um, you know, four, five, six. That was that move was probably ten passes all the way out from the left back right the way down the right-hand side to, to Hutton and then back in for one of the one of the forward players to get a shot off, in this case, Darcy. But it's not a high-quality chance, is it? I mean, it's not it's not getting a experimental 3-6-1, getting his, uh, getting his vertical line out on his XG graph. So it, it is just a little bit concerning that even when we have good spells against good teams, we don't create much. Um, and we, that, that Stevenage really did limit us to... to very, very, very little. Very little. I mean, we we didn't have a shot on target all day, but it, it it's not like we were creating anything of note really in the first half. And yet, when Stevenage come forward and they commit a lot of men forward, you know, I'm I'm sure they would have they would have said before the game that their 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 best opportunities at creating against us are when we have the ball in our own third. Because the, the the front two plus the two wide players just did not stop putting us under pressure, and when we're not at our best and, and, and not able to play through, they just kept on getting easy easy possession um, high at the pitch, and, and ultimately, 
that plus losing physical battles, you're not going to win the game. You're not going to win the game. And, and as we move on to the first goal there, again, that's all down to physical battles, isn't it? That's two or three 1v1s that we've lost purely physically. Um, it's a messy goal. It's a scrappy goal. But it's a goal that was born out of pure desire to, to force the ball into the net. And, and we and, and they outfought us in that moment. Yeah, it's not long after that uh, that Darcy half chance that comes through. So, um, you know, Roberts is steaming ahead. He kind of seems to lose his footing and almost, I don't know, almost kneels or sits on the ball for a moment. Definitely lots of calls for obstruction there, but nothing's given from it. Gets back to his feet and feeds it out to Reed for the cross. Now, there's a clearance and the head's met from that first cross, but it's quite limp and doesn't really go anywhere. So he sort of has his back to the goal and scoops it right up in the air, of course, Havoc at the opposite side. And there, you know, Roberts is waiting with all the time in the world to just nod it past Hutton. That's that's 1-0 to them. It's super simple, isn't it, when you watch it back? But then if you break it down, Roberts sort of falling out, weirdly losing his footing and sort of sitting on the ball. There were a lot of claims for a free kick. I think letter of the law seems to change every season of obstruction laws. Probably probably should have been. But, but do you know what? We didn't force the referee into making the decision. Um, we just stood back and let him stand up and pass the ball. Quite why anybody didn't just come through and clear the ball and the man out in that. If you're going to lie on the ball, you're going to get kicked, quite frankly. So we just sort of let him stand up, carry on the move. The ball comes in. We Like you said, we win the first header, but it goes straight up in the air. I think the disappointing bit for me here is that you've got you've got a goalkeeper there and and the ball is looping in the in the six yard box and his first step is backwards it's back onto his line and and I just not one single player in white or or green took control of that situation at all we had two or three opportunities there to go and compete for that ball and we didn't do it and the ball drops to 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 a Stevenish player Little hook, little hook over to the back post, and as you said, the easiest, easiest tapping at the back stick. Um, I would imagine the players are really, really disappointed with that. Just, just four or five different opportunities there to to compete and and, and win the ball, and we lost every single one of them. Yeah, and from there, there was a good passage of uh, you know, kind of direct play coming from Stevenage. We managed to chase down balls and occasionally win. Just, just a, a spell of you know, quite intense pressure. I remember. In the presser, Lindsay's saying that he didn't want to get drawn out into that long ball game and just happened to message on the, uh, you know, there's a presser WhatsApp group chat as well to ask. When Joe was talking about, he was talking about there was a, a, a thick dossier about Stevenage. Though of course, he, you know, he kept his honour and didn't divulge what was going on in there. But I did just ask, you know, how how accurate is that dossier proving? And he just said everything they said Stevenage would do, they're doing. Well, it's not. It's they didn't do anything surprising, did they? At all. They just they just got the ball forward early, but they weren't. It wasn't. Um, they weren't much of an eyesore. I, I think. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of moral high grounding and high horsing when it when it comes to styles of football. Would I want to watch it every week? No. Do I like the way that we try and play? Absolutely. It's my preferred way. But the most important thing for me is, are we competing at the top end of this division? And unfortunately, against Northampton and against Stevenage, we've been shown up. And I I don't like the sort of um, 
the narrative of well we can't play against those sides or you know we're helpless we can't do it that you know we have to find ways we have to be smarter we have to find ways to compete at the top of this division and that means going to tough places it means playing against sides who are very good at, at playing a different type of football to us um some of the narrative yesterday was we were beaten before we started and and that's not what I want from from my team I want my team to especially at this level to be really really competitive um going to Stevenage uh, kicking off assuming we're going to lose that that's that's a really really poor position to be in and the fact that we knew exactly what they were going to do means that they did it better than we planned to stop them doing it. And, and that's ultimately what it boiled down to, didn't it? Yeah, and it felt quite early on that perhaps maybe we'd run out of ideas. We'd given a chance to get back into the game. There was a, a free kick when Wakeling got fouled and then uh, Gladwin has fed it in really quite heavy into the area. Um, Blake Tracy's kept it, kept it going. But again, it's gone back out and passed around and found the feet of Darcy outside the area and much the same as his first effort. Shortly after that, we're having a you know a goal kick that's gone short and we've almost opened ourselves up completely to give them another easy goal. So it was a very, very testy opening 20. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it was just rinse and repeat, unfortunately. Very little quality go- when, we did, when we did have the ball. Um, really, really missed a, a connecting player between the back four and, and, and the rest of the side, um, which meant that the, we just worked it from fullback to fullback until Stevenage got, got really high and, and nicked it from us. Then that must have happened a dozen times throughout the game. It, it was really infuriating to watch. There was no, there was there was clearly no no set out plan, or, or certainly not not a way of changing it. So that we could get out easily, because we just kept doing the same thing again and again. And to to go in what to go in only one behind was was really fortunate. I know the last sort of three or four minutes of the half we had a little flurry of of moments, but again, not a single shot on target. So we're not creating anything. We're also not defending well, and we're also being out out fought and out and, and out battled. It's it's a it's a recipe for disaster, and at, so it played out. Yeah, and Wakeling looked a bit like he'd pulled up a bit about half hour in as well. I think he seemed to manage the rest of the game okay, but that, that spell didn't didn't do Swindon any, any favours. And like you say, apart from a couple of chances, they made a few efforts, Stevenage that was, towards uh, Swindon's goal, but nothing coming of it. And, and lucky to go in at half-time just with the one goal deficit. Yeah, it was. It was. Look, Stevenage didn't show much intent when they got that first goal. They were almost like, okay, well, we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing, um, you know. And 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 the, the the back end of the first half was a really poor game of football because we're playing badly. Stevenage sort of took their foot off the gas a little bit. It was, it was almost as if to say, "That's a good half. Let's just see it through." So the, the, the last ten of the first half was really, really poor. Really poor. Um, but we just we just didn't take advantage of it, and and it, I, I said to uh, my old man who I was there with yesterday, it, it, I just really hope Lindsay gets absolutely stuck into him at half time, and frankly, he should have he should have identified some of the structural issues we were having and made changes. And the fact that we didn't is really concerning. I think there's a little bit of a theme here with subs with Lindsay. I, I don't. I mean, every single one of the changes yesterday was peculiar, but I don't see 
everybody that comes on plays well, but I don't see us really changing much mid-game with, with, with regards to structure. It's more just sort of like for likes and then hope, hope the play you bring on does better. Um, but yeah, half-time, it was very much a case of they really need to get stuck into in, into the players because they've got to come out. And and what I will say is second half, until we gift-wrapped the second goal, that was our best spell of the game, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, and I think you'd be glad them to hear. I was, uh, I was reading the media reports earlier and in the Adva report, I think Johnny Leafield was saying that you know, where they're positioned in the media box, you could see what was going on in both dugouts and that uh, Lindsay was just you know just a tirade of blue murder effing and jeffing like uh, like our old friend Mr Sheridan might have done back in the day which I think uh, for me to read that that's certainly something I find quite you know, quite heartening in some ways because you know, he's sometimes accused of being a bit maybe a bit you know complacent or charitable towards teams and you know the time is that if we're playing like that you want somebody to get into them and not just say, well, I thought we played well and come up with platitudes. Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he backed that up in his post-match as well, didn't he? Answer, answer to question one, we just didn't, we just weren't very good. Um, and, and if we, and if we, the, the problem is the way we play, and we've been saying this for quite a long time now, once it, ever since we've had this style of play. When it go, when we play badly, it looks really bad. <laughs> it looks really, really bad. And you can be made to look quite silly because you are just passing the ball backwards and forwards, achieving absolutely nothing. Um, but first 10 of the second, the players did come out and did have a go. So, so credit where it's due there. The only problem is you can only give a, you can only give a side full of, full of confidence, so many opportunities and so much easy possession before they figure out a way to, to, to get the second goal. And the minute that's that second goal goes in, the game's pretty much dead. The minute the second goal goes in and we still don't make changes, the game is completely dead. It, it, it's baffling that you can that you can watch that for an hour. The second goal goes in and we just assume that the way we've played for the first hour will will get us out of that hole. Um, no, n- no visible willingness to 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 change anything. And the two 0 down, it, it needed it needed a lot of structural change for us to have any chance of getting back up back in that game. And the last twenty minutes was just dismal. Stevenish, if they were a better side, a bit more quality going forward, they they could have easily scored three or four. There was one where Brins come out and somehow somehow won the tackle. I've no idea how because he was he was a little bit hesitant off the line. And there was three or four other opportunities where a little bit a little bit of better execution they would have they would have easily sort of uh, capitalised on overloads and would have run out three or four nil winners, and it wouldn't have flattered them at all. I don't think um, the fact that we are there trying to get back into the game for half an hour and still don't muster a shot on target is is really <laughs> is really depressing. And I can assure you, being there, it was as much fun as it looked on paper. Yeah, there was a, there was a bit of a, a spell and a few. A few chances and looking a bit a bit brighter than the first half of those ten minutes, but that that second goal that that really did seem to hit them for six. You know, you've got um, I think it's Gladwin getting dispossessed and then just playing the ball down the left side to Reed again, who just puts the ball through and Robertson got all the time in the world to like it must have been if we thought the goal in the first half was easy. He must have only tapped in for about, I don't know, half a foot. We've got a not only that, I've a brace of a brace of goals with a combined yardage of probably about five and a half yards, I'd imagine. 
Uh, exactly, and I can't remember who the player was, but there was there was another, you know, just about two feet to the side of him. So if he if he'd fluffed his lines by any yeah. way, there was there was no doubt that he was going in anyway. And how both of them went unmarked, I think, in that build up when Roberts is making the move in, uh, Khan is his his marker and sort of loses him and tries to tries to even tug his shirt a bit, but it's, it's to no avail. He doesn't catch him, but whoever was picking up those two. I remember hearing in um, a post match, I think that they try to try to go zonal rather than man marking set pieces. But in that moment, I, I just don't know what happened there. It, it comes as no surprise that Khan tried to foul him, and even and even then couldn't manage that. Um, he he lost every physical battle all day long, and just, nothing annoys me more. <laughs> this is probably why I've got a beer in my bonnet about him today. Nothing annoys me more than players going down really easily time and time again and not getting the free kick. If you do it once, I understand you're trying to win a free kick. The referee's told you, both through action and almost certainly verbally as well, that he's not going to give things like that. And Khan just didn't didn't clock on and just kept falling over every time he went anywhere near a Stevenage player. He would find a way to fall over, give the ball away sit down, ask the referee a free kick, and the referee would just shrug his shoulders, and, and quite rightly so. I mean, the referee had a quite a strange game, but I don't think he certainly didn't get any more right for us than he did, uh, for them than he did for us. Um, and, and the constant the constant sort of failure to just stand up and compete when you're getting tackled was really frustrating, really frustrating. So, Tal made the first change. We were 66 minutes in. This is shortly after you know, Stevie just made their sub and brought Boswick on. Uh, Johnny Williams is off. Someone who's probably guilty of what you're saying there is somebody who likes to uh, go down easily after a touch, perhaps. But like you say, if the ref isn't giving it, you know you know after the first one or two whether the game is going to go or be allowed to go that way. And if you're not getting them, there's no point repeating that. Uh, he's off and Tyree Shade is on. Change things up much for you? No, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't mind this change. My, my only my only annoyance with it is it, it's just like for like. It's wide player for wide player. Johnny Williams didn't have his best day. He he definitely sort of hobbled the long way round and and looked like he'd been kicked about a bit, which you'd expect away at top of the league. Um, but it didn't change the structure. It didn't change the plan. Uh, I. I quite like Shade. I think he's a really useful impact player. He's very direct. Um, links up where we're Hutton or d- down the right. But um, it wasn't a structural change, and it, and it didn't give us any more control of the game. So, yeah, it, it was just it was a bit of a bit of a nothing sub, really. I think uh, Williams's race was run, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was. That reminds me of another point I might come on to a little bit later about options and things like that. Um, not really much happening after Shades come on straight away. A uh, couple of poor chances going through. Um, and then another unusual double substitution about five minutes later, where Wakeley and Darcy are off, and Alessandro Ricky Aguilar are on. Yeah, so this this is the one where I just I just lose all sensibility with regards to what you're thinking here. I go out for Darcy, completely on board with it. Um, advanced centre midfielder for advanced centre midfielder. Both love a long shot. Um, Aguilar's got a bit of a better goal record. I'd actually rather... I'd, I think Aguilar needs some more minutes. I'd like to see him in the rotation a bit more. Um, 
but bringing on a, a bringing on a left wing back slash holding left sided midfielder to play left wing ahead of Blake Trace, it achieved absolutely nothing and nothing. Um, you know, you're chasing the game, you haven't changed shape, you haven't changed structure, and all you've done is bring took off two. You've changed your two wide players, both of whom are quite progressive for wing backs at best, right? I think Shade, Shade, I don't mind. I don't mind him playing further at the pitch, but Ellis is not a left winger. Um, Jeff Cott was still really isolated. Um, there, there was there was nothing, nothing in that change that gave us any uh, any firepower, any attacking presence. Nothing at all. It, those, those changes achieved nothing. I've no idea why he did it. Now, this maybe brings me on to my bit of my side note here, what I wanted to talk about, because one thing we said about last year was that Sweden didn't really have a lot in terms of squad depth. And now that there's, you know, plenty of plenty of squad members, the shout has been that we have options. Now, I'd like to challenge that with you, Terry, and discuss the idea as, do we have options? Or, like you said there, do we have choices? Because choices says, for example, if you have, say, Hutton or Lavinia, we are sort of still setting up to play the same way, the same way as we substitution. So there's not really an impact that you could say playing one or the other and then you bring the other at 80 minutes on that anyone would make or make a case to say, oh, that they should start. We're still only using three subs as well per game instead of the five. I don't know if Lindsay's got the... You can use five because <laughs> that's what's happened in a few games. Like, why would um, you not make five yesterday? I just, it, it, nothing was working and we were really poor. Even if you're just protecting players, both of the centre-halves are a yellow card with two and a down and seven minutes to go. Take one of them off. Like you Exactly. If you want a like, a like for like for Wakeling, then put another attacking player on. But yes, I, did, yeah. is it a question of do we have options or do we have, like I say, choices? I think we have lots of similar quality players who all can play the same way, which I assume is your choices option there. Um, yeah. it's it's there's, There doesn't seem to be much flexibility, which is peculiar because we started the season and built a whole squad to play 3-5-2 and we're not playing it anymore. So you'd think baked into the squad would be flexibility to play 3-5-2. Now, yesterday, Jacob Wakeling um, did take a heavy blow just before Stevenage's second goal. Um, really sort of blood and thunder, six and two threes with the goalkeeper. Both players completely committed. Great goalkeeping. Um, Wakeling landed heavy and he was clearly shook up for the next five minutes and ended up, ended up going off. What that did do is the second way. So Wakelin is the only flexible player on the field. It feels like he can play wide or he can play through the middle. The second Wakeling is gone. We are, we have no flexibility because the, the, the right move there would have gone, would have been gone to go two up top and still have options coming in, coming on to ch- to change your wide players. So getting shade on, um, I'd actually, I think Lavinia has, has said that he's he can play um, higher at the pitch than fullback. Given the situation, I'd have rather have seen him come on for, for Ellis. At least, at least he's used to playing wide, getting out, getting round round the sides of, of fullbacks and getting crosses in. Um, but yeah, there isn't, there really wasn't flexibility there, was there yesterday at all? It was very much 
how do we replace one player with a similar player who might just be a little bit fresher? Um, it, it, which is really, really frustrating. Um, the uh, and and he had five he had five subs, used three, and not one of the five subs did he use to actually tackle the root cause of of, of the problem, which is that without Louis Reed, we do not control football games. Um, we, yeah, we don't do it. It felt a little bit like it's felt like in the last few weeks that the thinking has become a bit a bit rigid. And we have a lot of players, like you said, that do the same things, but also a lot of players who are in the same kind of position professionally. People have either been let go or perhaps in some cases turned down you know, their current academy contracts. And they didn't do that to sit on benches. Um, people making their, you know, their first strides out of National League to assert themselves in, in the pro game and into the EFL. We've got that money, that Moneyball model to think, oh well, you know, if some of these come good and we can move them on, that will be fine. But it's not going to work if you're going to have players who, you know, haven't had any minutes for weeks on end, who are just getting frustrated and wound up at what they're seeing. Yeah, it's it's it's. I feel like we're at a critical moment now with this squad, and I think we, we've got to find, as I said earlier, we've got to start finding coping mechanisms. Um, if you look at you look at our bench yesterday, we had. Centre half, a goalkeeper, a right back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Tyree Shade the benefit of the doubt and call him a winger. Um, Ricky Aguar as an attacking centre mid, Louis Reed as a holding centre mid, and Ellis Lowe as a left back slash centre mid. So irrelevant of whether we think this squad has depth or not, which I think it probably does. It absolutely does not have enough attacking weapons. I think I think that is that is plain to see. Absolutely plain to see at this point. Um they've built depth in certain areas, but they've they've sacrificed depth in others. And yes, there are injuries, of course. Um but at the moment, you know, Jeff Cott, we haven't we haven't mentioned that Jeff Cott once this whole conversation. Um which is probably about as many times as he touched the ball yesterday, frankly. Uh I I Somebody made a fantastic point that I saw online that if um, if Tommy Adeloy had put in the performance that Luke Jeffcott put in yesterday, he'd be getting absolute pelters. And we're we're basically assuming Jeffcott is a good player because he's come down from 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 a level and he's and he's nicked a couple of goals. And, and I think I think Jeffcott is a good signing, but we're not. We're not getting any players anywhere near near high enough around him to support him. We're not putting enough to service and delivery and quality in, into him, which means that he just ends up trotting around, looking ineffective, and try and trying to be physical where he can. And 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 he had good moments yesterday, but all of his good moments were were just physically, you know, bullying the centre half to win to win throw-ins. There was there wasn't a single moment where he he. Had the ball in a in a goal scoring opportunity. We did not get him the ball in in the right areas of the pitch once, and that's that that's really really frustrating. And, and the fact that Wakelin and Williams couldn't manage ninety minutes. The second those two players come off the field, and you look at that bench, and you're chasing a game. It's it's you've got no you know, you've got no chance. It's game over. Yeah, he's certainly got what I would say has got like the poacher's instinct, and that's how it came through on Tuesday. Darcy's had the shot that's been parried, and he's there to clean it up. If Darcy's playing like he's wearing boots that are three sizes too big for him, and they're all just sort of bobbling off the other end, then there's nothing to clean up there. And in terms of set pieces and a lot of chat on Tuesday about 
Romeo Hutton and his crosses. They all seem to make it into the box, but for some reason we seem to play in a way where we want to get one, two, three ducks in a row to cross at, but at the same time, of course, defenders are wise to it and will just clear it out straight away. So I, I can understand that Tommy Adeloy, I'm sure, certainly would be getting pelters if he put a performance like that in yesterday, but at the same time, I'm trying to think, well, where where did Jeff Cott really have the opportunity to do? Hundred percent, yeah. And I'm not I'm not blaming Jeff Cott in this. I think because because the, the very little he could do yesterday, he did okay. Um, it, it, it's more that the second Wakeling comes off the field, if you're Romeo Hutton's crossing isn't great, but he does he volume wise he gets a lot of opportunities to deliver. We also quite like a delivery from deep, particularly from Gladwin. But if you look at that front three, Johnny Williams is, unless it's a fast break in transition and you're crossing to Williams, he can be really lethal then coming at that back post. But if we give the if we give the, the opposing team time to set defensively, Williams doesn't tend to go in. He sort of loiters on the D, which means you've got Wakelin and Jeffcott as your two as your two targets. Wakelin then comes off the pitch for Shade who is actually dovetailing with Hutton down the right, but means there's another player outside of the box. And it just ended up, you know, six or seven times in the second half, Romeo Hutton was running straight out straight out the back four and and did okay to beat his man a couple of times. And his crossing, maybe I'm being harsh, maybe his crossing isn't bad. He's just not, he hasn't got anyone to aim for. Yeah, I did want to, there's something I'm still trying to figure out because, yes, the, the crosses themselves, they seem, <laughs> they seem, Good they, they or pass good the intent. eye test, right? <laughs> exactly, they're passing yeah. the eye test. But I'm more thinking that because it's so late to find that opening, and because we wait and we're quite we're quite static and we're quite rigid, it look quite easy to defend against because all the defenders have found their positions and can just head away to the first one it comes to. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've we've been watching enough football at this level for the last five years to know that. Um, that that uh, Van Kooten, Pierre Gianni, and Sweeney, the back three for for Stevenage, will. The head of well, head crosses clear all day long, um, especially when they're only when they're only when they're only up against one centre forward. So there really was nothing, nothing positive really um, to, to to think about from an, from an attacking point of view. And the changes were completely ineffectual. They just did not impact the game at all. And I don't think that's because any one. It's not. It's not an individual players thing. It is a structure, and it's a, fle- a lack of flexibility and a lack of options, as you say. Well, I tell you what, while we're in the mire, it's a good opportunity to have a look at the listener feedback because um, there's plenty of it, as there usually is with a defeat anyway. So I'll just go through and let's have a look at those. Well, it was a triple birthday today. Happy birthday to Johnny Williams or Pembloith Happis, uh, to Harry Parsons and Lee Peacock, who all had their birthday today. I'm really scraping the barrel for happiness because... Swindertown women lost 4-0 to Southampton, although people who follow that league will know that they are the money team, the big team, uh, down that way. So perhaps to be expected elsewhere in the Lone Watch, National League North, there no sign of Harrison Minton or Harry Parsons in those matchday squads. Maybe he got his birthday off, or maybe those loans have finished. Strange to think that uh, Banbury are in the National League North, but... They might have had a trip all the way up to Blythe Spartans. They could have almost been seen by Rich this weekend. Did get 20 minutes, though, in National League South for the Slough Town versus Hemel Hempstead game for George Cowmeadow. 
he came on after 70 minutes. They tried to turn the tide of that 2-0 defeat. Let's move on to your feedback then from the Stevenage game. Thanks for lots of it. I'll try and read out as many as I can. There was a lot, as uh, as one would expect, with a loss. So let's dive into that mailbag. Pete Marsh says, Extremely disappointing. Two very soft goals to give away, along with naivety in the final third. Ponderous build-ups result in strikers being shackled. Need to mix it up a bit. Too predictable for opposing defenders. Should have had a penalty. Shade has got to get his shot away. Paul Manning Burnyman says, Bullied from minute one. Poor performance. Both fullbacks decent and Khan impressive man of the match. Our problem is in attack, not the personnel, but the shape and tactics. It's been a problem all season. If we don't fix that and start hitting the target more, we will struggle to make the playoffs. H the Duck says Stevenage would tire. Complete dross to watch. But we look blunt up top with no one capable of running behind the oppo defence. Blake Tracy blunted a lot of the attacks, but sadly... They were our attacks. Days like today, we really miss someone like you-know-who. Proper wallop. Barr says they were a bit well-organised, big and pushy team. Don't like their style of football, but they were effective. Hutton manned the match to me. Frustrating day at the office, but still pleased from where we're at. and think playoffs are a realistic aim. Sarah V says frustrating that we lost passes as Stevenage seemed to just get to them before us most of the time. Passes seem less zippy today too. Jeffcott didn't seem to touch the ball either. Matt Peach says we had 70% possession and created nothing. It was a very blunt attacking performance and we gifted them two goals. Poor showing all round. Need to bounce back now against Colchester. Jerry's still out on new players and manager for me. As always, happy to be humble pie if wrong. Well, speaking of humble pie, Debbie says, I'm praying come the end of the season that the manager has shown me I know nothing because that means we are out of League 2. So far, I don't think any humble pie is coming my way. Paul Temple. I had to listen for 60 minutes with the general until I got to the chateau. Plus bon. What I saw was a blatant penalty and a crucial miss from Shade. Plenty of possession, no physical edge against the team that showed us how to defend and press. Man of the match, the general on radio comms. Or Khan, a 6 out of 10? Ben Nichols, we lost away 2-0 to the top of the league today. We're not winning the league and unlikely to push top three. We can mount a playoff charge. The next two are massive at home. STFC Sean says, I think playoffs this year as we currently aren't anywhere near teams like this, but it's a young team and a new team. They will keep improving. Neil McLaughlin says, Saidu Khan's the man of the match for me. Snitch tagged him in as well, the cheeky fellow. But a disappointing afternoon on the pitch. Delight off it, as it was my first ever game for my daughter, and we bumped into Anthony Grant as well. Lovely. Lots of praise for the general here. Paul Merriman says, I hate losing to these tin pot clubs. <laughs> it was disheartening. Unsure how we beat these types of teams. It reminds me of Vale last season. Ooh. Teams of six foot five cloggers humping it up the pitch. Not my bag, but we have to find a way somehow. Craig says Sandro's swindled identity might make financial sense, but it won't get us out of League Two. We need physical players and work rate, not pointless possession and technical players who don't compete. PSW36 says not good enough, lacked any real intensity throughout. Still not convinced we've established a clear style of play either. 
Wakeling needs to play through the middle, much more effective there than on the wing. Stevenage looked like a strong unit all over the pitch, mind. D. McMackin, not great, was it? In terms of League 2 effectiveness, I think Stevenage, best I've seen this season. Happy to let us mess around. Nick says, we were bullied and pressed by a very physical team. I thought we played far better than some are suggesting. But 70% possession and no outcome is not good enough. We lack that deadly touch up front. I was surprised at how quiet we all were in the away end. Martin Crook says we lost. It's not the end of the world. Disappointed, of course, but I will get over it. Long season and still think we will be in the mix. Bitter Gillespie says, how do you play against a quick, strong, fit side? Either match them. We didn't. Or sometimes you need to start from a low brace and counter attack. Let them have possession. What do they do if we are sat deeper? Lump it, lose it, counter it. But could we defend well enough? Batch STFC says they are a good physical direct side and they're top for winning games, if not for style. Credit where it's due. But why make subs and carry on as we have been? All the ball, no shots on target. Put two up top, try something different. John Stephen says in eight days we've lost the teams now first and third and we are high mid-table. That is about right. We lost our management team and key players since overachieving last season, but overall club heading in the right direction just not as quick as fans want. George G. STFC says, didn't get going. Multiple chances to get the ball in the box, but never anyone in there to threaten. Nothing to get excited about. All a bit meh. Still think we had a good enough chance for a push at the playoffs. Man of the match, Blake Tracy. Note to self, never go to Stevenage again. Matthew simply says, not good enough. Nothing good to say at all. Out-muscled all over the park. Hutton only positive. Carly Embling, bit of rationale, says we will lose matches. Today we lost and we were outplayed by an informed side that are now top of the league. Let's not lose our heads. Ryan Thomas says comfortably our worst performance since the Open against arguably the worst team we've played. Ugly and effective sometimes brings these performances and you sink to the levels you're playing against. On to next week. Won't be surprised that I had that a little nibble from a Borough fan there. Good fun. Jason Scribblemilk says, very shot shy and relying on a few from outside the box isn't good enough. Bossing the midfield is only good enough if we aren't poor in both boxes. And unfortunately, we were today. Luke Collins says, all of the possession, nothing clinical with it. Masters of our own downfall again. Get Grant in as a coach. He was right on commentary. Jeff Cott is always making runs to zero service. We need to play through the middle more and also be better at attacking our crosses. Hutton, man of the match. Explosive, very succinct, busy and nervous in defence. Nothing in midfield, nothing up top. Lastly, Sam Martin, very to the point, says 70% possession, zero shots on target, sums us up. Lots of superstitious comments about the white kit, which is a shame because in the flesh it is a very sexy sartorial choice. That would be a shame if it is cursed. And lots of praise and Man of the Match calls for the debutante general on BBC Radio Wiltshire. Okay, yes, definitely some Marmite calls there. A lot of of praise for 
Romeo Hutton, who edges it out. I'm sorry, look, full respect to Anthony Grant. Really appreciate that he had he had a pretty good first showing for his co-coms on BBC Radio Wiltshire. Not an easy job, so I think he gave a decent account of himself, but not enough for me to give him a man of the match, though. <laughs> Obviously, the general is still very popular in SN1. Um, Terry, is difficult to pick a man of the match, isn't it? It, it it really is, Joe. It really, is. I don't think. Oh man, I, it's it's honestly picking who had a who had a four out of ten. That that's your man of the match. Um, it it really is. It, it it's who did the least wrong. I think. Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. It is a really tricky one. I think Hutton first half wasn't great. Second half showed a bit of it, but showed a bit of uh, a bit of willingness to create. But has given away the second. His player, you know, where he should be, has tapped in the first. Somebody made a good point that the last three goals, if you look at um, Northampton's winner, which is also a right back back post tapping, there's a little bit of a trend appearing there of Hutton getting caught up, upfield. So, yeah, not sure. I mean, no. <laughs> There, there really isn't much in it. I, I, maybe Blake Tracy edges it just because I, I don't think he did a great deal wrong, and, he, and and actually physically he was he was probably probably very one one of very few that that actually showed like it looked like he could compete. Um, Wakelin was okay until he went off, but but that really is it. I mean, if, if you're going to put a gun to my head, then then I'll give it to Blake Tracy. But I, let 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 it be known, Fraser. It's it's not one you want to shout about. Okay, all right. So I'll, tell, I'll give it to Fraser Blake Tracy for the spreadsheet. Anthony Grant, out of interest, he gave his to Darcy, which I think was mainly a uh, a gold star for effort. And the fans won. I think that was won out by Romeo Hutton. So I guess that completes the the spreadsheet. And just um, and just to confirm, Joe, Romeo Hutton edges out Saidu Khan. I hear. Uh, yes, he does edge it out. There was a lot of calls for him. A lot of people don't don't quite see it the way that you do. Oh man, this is really like I'm having an existential crisis as it is. I can't be dealing with this. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm losing my mind. Maybe I'm losing it. I wonder whether and and absolutely don't do this. But if there was a follow up poll of who people who voted for man in the match that watched from uh, their their random insert foreign country name here um, and those who are at the game because I, I just wonder whether at the game you have more of a sense for how often he lost that phys- those physical battles um, but look, that, that's, that's one to pontificate because we're not going to solve that now are we I'd be fairly sure if we put that poll out that whoever was um, you know, listening on Wiltshire Sound to Andrew Hawes and Anthony Grant and was creosote in the fence would all say that Khan had a great game. I think, though, in fairness, though, we've been charitable enough to say what we think that Khan's strengths are. Mm-hmm. There were sort of audible gasps and you know whispers when uh, Reed came off eighty minutes in on Tuesday for for Khan and saying, "Can you imagine this happening last season?" So, I think if we're being fair, we're not saying he's a bad player uh, in a broader sense. More that that's not his position. That, that's that's completely where I am. I'm actually I actually think he's had a really impressive start to his his career with us. I just don't think he can play that that um, pivot on especially on his own, especially on his own. He's not good enough physically. His body position is wrong most of the time, and he doesn't 
sit in between the two centre-halves and dictate play and control the game. He's absolutely brilliant in transition, getting the ball on the half-turn, driving forward. He, he, he has this amazing knack of always looking like he's going to lose control of the ball, but actually always having control of the ball, um, which I really enjoy watching. It's just he's not a holding midfielder. He is not a holding midfielder, and he really... Unfortunately for him, you've got to feel sorry for him because he didn't he didn't want to be that deep and, and wasn't able to impact the game that deep, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that regardless of, and I think I said this on the presser as well, I wasn't expecting a result. I was maybe expecting a bit more fight. So we've got a week off. Uh, then there's Colchester. You've got the nice distraction of Papa John's uh, midweek after that. And then Hartlepool. So a couple of teams who are right down there. There's plenty of opportunities to work on this and, and get it right, isn't there? There, there, there is. I, I wonder whether we are at this point flat track bullies. Maybe I think is the phrase that's coming to mind with this side. I think, at, particularly at home, I think against against the sort of mid and bottom clubs in this division, we can we can look quite good. Um, still, only score. We certainly win by one goal more often than not. But we can look like we control games. But when push comes to shove and we have to go away to clubs who are up at the top end of the division, um, getting in big crowds relative to what they normally get, um, we're not, this side isn't built to compete at the top end of this division, which is really, really frustrating. I think um, what the, one player who, came, who comes out of yesterday really, really well is Angus McDonald. I think if he is there, we have a much better chance of competing physically. Um, and I think absence makes the, the, the heart grow fonder. Um, and I think we might see that play out over the next over the next four or five weeks with him. Not necessarily in the two home games coming up, but the two directly after that, we go to Bradford and we go to Mansfield. Um, again, two really, really tough away trips at, at sides who expect to be in the top seven. And we're going to have to be really at it to get anything out, out of those two games. Um, and we're going to have to compete better than we did yesterday. We certainly will. Yes, there's a little bit of time to uh, iron out the creases and get things right. But like you say, two very competitive games coming towards the end of the month. Well, let's hope that we can turn the tide a bit. Until then, covering for Mr Pullen. Terry, thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. Take care. Inside the box to Good run by him and now The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. And there's nothing, nothing all the haters can do about that. Thank you very much. May God bless you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 